There are so many things that make families really awesome, but there's one factor that puts it over the top. Find out what that is on this episode of Inverse. Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Welcome to episode seven on this season on families. We've been looking at different components of the families, moms, dads, from different parts of the Bible. And on this episode, we're looking at the one factor that really brings families together. We'll find out what that is after we have a word of prayer. And we read scripture for what that is. So, Sebastian, can you pray for us? Because we need it. Yes, let's pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, we're so grateful for the gift of family. And we're thankful that your word grants us counsel as to how best to maintain those families in unity and in love and to recognize how powerful of a witness that a unified family can be. And so, Lord, may you bring those things to our remembrance that you've taught us in your word. And, Lord, may our combined understanding help those around us, um, even in our own lives, understand better how to achieve this kind of unity to glorify you is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let me throw uh, this question out there to kind of maybe discombobulate your bearings and, and you guys. What, what are some things that families need to be functioning and to be happy? I mean, from what we talked about as a review, but also from your own personal opinion. Now, we know like this is a, a religious Bible show, so we need Jesus, we need God, we need Holy Spirit, we need prayer, we need all those things. <laughs> but also on a more more everyday level, not, they're, they're all everyday entities as well, but for a more down-to-earth yes. uh, component. What are some things that you guys can think of? Kelly? Good, good communication. Good communication, yes. I think you need Sebastian. time together. Time. You know, just spending time together helps bring, bring cohesion. Yeah. yeah. Familiarity. What we focus on in our family is values. What defines us, separates us from every other family. Mm-hmm. What makes us a Ramos Nam family. Okay. Uh, so we look at family values. All right. So Nam is the, uh, the name of, uh, the maiden, maiden name so of your, your wife. So. So uh, it's a combined family unit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's go to John chapter seventeen, verse twenty-one. Right okay with you? <laughs> John seventeen twenty-one. I think we need John seventeen twenty-one right now. Amen. Amen. John seventeen twenty-one and we Cal. Can you? We need to read it quickly because yes, we need it okay. now. John seventeen twenty-one. Let's pick up verse twenty and then can go into twenty-one. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. I do not pray for those alone. You with us? Mm-hmm. I do not pray for these alone. <laughs> But also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Yeah, we've been looking at making good decisions in families, different values in families, different practices in families of being a good father, a good mother. But Israel, what's in this verse that's really bringing out what makes a family special in the Lord's eyes? Obviously, it's talking about unity. Mm-hmm. The uh, That's the... The overwhelming theme of the passage is, you know, that they may be one. Mm-hmm. But I think once you get into the text and there's a little bit of nuance there that gives us, number one, what it really means to be united and the and the and and how hard that is to accomplish. And secondly, the outcome of unity. So in the passage there, it says um, that they may be one, not just that they may be one, but that they may be one as you and I are one. Mm-hmm. And this is where it gets impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Jesus is not just praying that we would be united, 
but he's praying that we would be united in the same way that the Godhead is united. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about divine unity. Yeah. Not verse 22, unity. if we can interrupt, verse 22, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. So yeah. that, I mean, he's saying it straight up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I thought like the Godhead and the Trinity was just maybe a kind of a Christian ethereal teaching, like, oh, he's, that's, so, that's our way of explaining God. And yeah. on one way level it is, mm-hmm. but he's also saying just as he is, he wants us to be the same exact right. way. And, it, and it, that's the impossibility of the task that Jesus is asking Impossible. us to do. Yeah. He's saying, uh, you know, so, you know, you can have a football team that's united to accomplish a goal. You can have a baseball team or a group of people that are trying to unite in order to accomplish a task. This is not the type of unity that Jesus is talking about. He's talking a divi- about a divine unity that is because it, in its essence, it's divine. It's impossible to even understand much less achieve. Mm. And so this is why then it connects with the result of what happens when a group of people is, is, is unified the way that, you know, the Godhead is unified. And it says that the world might know that you have sent me. And so w- the, the product of, of unity, the result of unity, is that it actually, it's a testament to the fact that God exists. Mm. So there's, you know, this is an apologetic, right? There's many different things in this world that we can use to prove the existence of God. And we can do this with apologetics and with the defense of the Christian faith and through scripture, through Bible prophecy. All these things are great. But here Jesus says that the way that you can show the world that I exist is by having a type of unity in your home that is out of this world, that okay. points to the let me, gonna, let's, let's, let's press you in and we can help each other here in this. So this is an impossible unity. It's hard to understand with this unity. But what is unity? Yeah, okay, it's not a football team. Okay, I like that. So this isn't, let's all think the same way. Mm-hmm. We can say that's maybe uniformity, as many yeah. people say. This isn't like, let's just all get along. Right, and, and and we had a whole season on <laughs> unity. So if you guys are really wondering, you can go back to our archives. You can see the entire thirteen episodes on that season on unity. But for really quick, what is the unity that's mentioned here? Well, I think being Sebastian. one as Jesus and the Father are one is they're clearly not the exact same person. They're clearly not necessarily operating always in the same activities. Yeah. So you can see that, but they are unified in purpose. They're unified in terms of the way that they think. And they're also unified in their character. So in looking at these things, we can be unified on these major fundamental realities of who we are, the way we think, the things that we value, like Israel mentioned with his family, um, and thinking of purpose and character. This is what we're trying to accomplish. And I think with football teams, you have a common purpose, but you may not have a common mind or character. So let's bring it down real. So uh, is the Bible saying that there can be families that they're not thinking the exact same thing, but they're thinking the same way? Yes. And absolutely. from what I can extrapolate, they all have the same character. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that possible? Absolutely, it's possible. I mean, he just says it's impossible. Well, I think it's... It, well, first of all, I, I, I respectfully disagree that it's impossible. I feel like Israel disagree was exaggerating. With Jesus. <laughs> disagree with Jesus. All because, right. because the whole idea of the text is that he says, this is how the world is going to know that God sent me. Yeah. Because he's praying to his father. Yes. So if, if it's an impossibility, then the world will never know that God sent him. Mm-hmm. So this is the validation that God sent me, which means... 
this is impossible for human hands, mm -hmm. but when Jesus is involved, it now becomes a possibility. If I could bring about some unity yes, here between yeah, yeah, Israel please, and Sebastian. Please, we need it. So need it. just that idea that Israel is saying it is true, it is impossible mm -hmm. in our own strength, and then Sebastian's also in our own strength. Yes, it's possible but by Christ's strength. It is possible. Yes, because yes. that's the point. Like it's only possible if you are submitted in Christ, and that'll show that you're in Christ, which will mm -hmm. witness Christ to the world. Mm -hmm. So that's the Absolutely. point. Mm -hmm. So just as a disclaimer for all of you guys that are watching out there, you know we are human beings, the four people on this panel, we are human beings, and yeah. we are part of families that are by no means perfect. Uh, I know these three, and they got some weird families going on, and I know my family is very weird, but we're all on this, and I just want to, is it, amen? Is that yeah, a disclaimer? Amen. I'm not going to say it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Speak for yourself. So, so he on. is from a perfect family with zero issues, and he's a part of next episode we'll have his wife come, and uh, she'll give her <laughs> testimony. The truth. Uh, but we are all on this journey together to yes. to to have more godly families. So, Absolutely. I mean, so let's open it up. I mean, really practical speaking, what are practical ways we can get this going? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there watching, and maybe in, our, in my my own family, I mean, there's some people that are very difficult to love, and maybe on a certain level, and I, and I need any prayers and conversion on this, I don't want to be on the same page with certain people of my family. Mm -hmm. Before you all judge me, I know you got some people in your family, too. Uh, <laughs> so, just how do we do this? Well, I Sebastian. feel, I feel uh, one principle we kind of involved in our house is the principle from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. So we need a... Uh, you seem to know it. Okay. On over there. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. <laughs> the Bible says, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. So, so in this sense, you, you look at the fact that it says, God forgave you in Christ. Mm -hmm which means that God forgave you for Christ's sake because of what Jesus did. And for us in, in our marriage and, in, and with our children and in our home, the whole idea is that if I base what I do in my house on how Candace is treating me, so it's like, well, she's not being kind or impatient, then you know what, I'm not going to come home and bring flowers or I'm not going to, you know, try to rush home from work and make it on time for, for dinner with the family because like, well, you know, I'm going to treat you the way you're treating me. Versus the text says, no, you treat her the way Jesus has treated you. Mm. So I may not feel like it because of how my wife or my spouse or my kids are behaving, but because Jesus has been good to me, I'm going to be good to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not doing it for her sake. I'm doing it for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. And I think that brings, since we've operated on that principle, it's brought so much more unity, even in those moments of tension, mm -hmm. which is to say, you know what? It's okay if, you know, Sebastian is acting like a knucklehead, but Candace is like, I'm not doing this for Sebastian. I'm doing this for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And because you're meditating on him and how good he has been to you and the salvation he has provided, the motivation always remains. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps propelling me on to be faithful in my responsibilities as a father and as a husband. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I'm doing this for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that principle is very powerful to help us overlook the idiosyncrasies and the for rough Christ's edges of Christ's sake, for Christ's sake, okay? There's I, the element w which has already been mentioned is the centrality of Christ. Mm -hmm. And th that's why I was saying that it was impossible to accomplish this because outside of Christ, human hands can accomplish yes. this. Mm -hmm. right, that's and right. so in order to really have a unified home, Jesus is required. And, and, and the reason why it's important for us to stress that is because Jesus can't be there just as a figure, or he can't be there just as like a good luck charm or yes, some traditional right. setting. Exactly. Yes, yes, he yes. needs to be there in reality. Yes. And part of the reason for that is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, and it's going to go there. Go it's going to. 
it's going to emphasize a little bit also of what Sebastian was saying. Yes. Uh, in in, in uh, verse 14, it says... 12, 14 of 1 Corinthians. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And so my approach is identity. Hmm. How do you identify yourself? So you do stuff, you forgive for Christ's sake, but you identify yourself also as the body of Christ. You are the same. So it says here, you know, the body has many members, but there's only one body, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Mm -hmm. So the identity here, the identity factor is that all of us combined together form one picture. And so if 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 you don't have each other, then you're not really a body. You're just mm-hmm. pieces of a body. Mm-hmm. You're like a hand or a foot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so unity brings us together because when we come together and only when we come together mm-hmm. do we have a clear picture of Jesus to the world. And so Jesus needs us collectively to show a reflection of who he is mm-hmm. to the world. Mm-hmm. When we come back from the break, we're going to look at other practical elements. How do we get the family to be united? Is it impossible? Is it possible? This is the debate that we're talking about. We'll see you after the break. Has Inverse been a blessing to you? Do you have questions, comments, or feedback you'd like to leave us? Find us on social media by searching Inverse Bible on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube. While there, join us, like us, heart us, thumbs up us. Our handle again is Inverse Bible, no spaces. Now, back to the discussion. One picture that's emerged from the season on families is that families under God can be heaven on earth, but without Christ as the center can be the other side on <laughs> earth as well. So today we're looking at different practical ways that we can make the family more united. So let's actually get a little more concrete. Yeah, Jesus is our center. And I actually appreciate your point because many, 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 many Christians have Christ as a symbolic center of the home. So we hang the, the Bible quotes on the walls and we go to church <laughs> and we wear the nice clothes and we, you know, we don't do all those things. And we may even have a devotional life, but as a family center, yeah. uh, that's kind of missing. So how do we actually get the family to be be practically united, Callie? There are two, <laughs> I always inhale, just wait. <laughs> the two items that immediately come to mind. One is family worship. Yes, and not just family worship, like read a Bible verse, like a prayer request, Jesus bless us, amen. Hmm. But bringing <laughs> our prayer requests all there, um, you know, my, my dad's house with my youngest brother, um, Theron, he'll say, like, you know, I want to pray for my classmate. They seem sad today. And just to hear a second grader <laughs> say that is just so precious. Hmm. And, you know, he feels like I can bring my burdens here. And they're not too small because mommy and daddy are praying about big things. But whatever's on his heart or, like, my stomach hurts or my toe hurts, <laughs> just hmm. anything that is bothering him, he can bring. And we can go to God together as a family. Mm-hmm. Another mm-hmm. thing that I've like... Well, just before you go there, okay. this it's is a huge thing. It's not yeah. a little thing. It's a huge thing. Very difficult to implement sometimes in the daily schedule of things. Yeah. But once implemented, it becomes a habit and becomes mm-hmm. easier and easier. Yeah. But very difficult to initiate in the beginning if you're not used to it or not yeah. don't have that in your in your family tradition, uh, lifestyle, yeah. Yeah. so to speak. And and if I can interrupt real quick, because what, what, what she's saying is... is I know you already know this, but it's biblically based. Mm. And if if you we didn't spend a lot of time in in First Corinthians twelve, but the point of First Corinthians twelve is this: that you have this body of Christ, and you have these different members. Yes. And you have the important members and the members that seem not important. You have like the head, and it's, you know the head is super valuable because it contains the brain and the hands. And then you have these little things that really don't matter. And so, 
the point of 1 Corinthians 12 is that every single member matters. matters. Yeah. And the ones that you think you don't need are the ones that you really, really need in the family. And so I think it applies and it merges perfectly with what you're saying, Kelly, that there are members in our family that need to come and they need to be included mm-hmm. in the body of Christ. Because if they're not, then actually they're not going to be part of the body of Christ in the long term. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to bring in our children into these in, and to give them a voice and a place mm-hmm. in our home and in our spiritual space. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Kelly? Um, in addition to that is something, go to a different family, something I've witnessed in Sebastian's family actually, mm. is when one of his children are misbehaving, mm-hmm. so he'll go and talk to them and reprimand them or anything, but he always ends with a prayer, like, mm. all right, let's pray about this, and like, Jesus, please help me to overcome this. Mm-hmm. And so it's not over-spiritualizing, but it's also showing that the only author of true change is Jesus himself. Mm-hmm. And so we can like discipline our kids or we can do whatever, but the only part, like Jesus, please help me to change my heart and like teaching your kids to pray that from a young age like Jesus help me to change versus like Mm -hmm. help me change for my dad (laughs) but like Mm -hmm. help me to actually change in my heart Mm -hmm. and so even not out of just not just worship but like literally all throughout your day yeah pray for your meals but pray when you want we need more patience we need to be more kind we don't want to get a pow pow you know like whatever (laughs) whatever it is you're finding that pow pow is uh braxtonian vocabulary uh for for spanking for the rod yes yes (laughs) the rod so and that that just had never really occurred to me but that's Mm. that's so profound like that's true the only person that can change my child's heart is jesus therefore Mm -hmm. let's go to jesus together Mm -hmm. and i think it's also good as parents as well of apologizing when you're not representing Jesus mm-hmm. of like, Hey, I got you mad. I'm sorry. Like, help me. Like, please forgive me. And like two year olds, like, I'll, I'll forgive you, mom. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> and so demonstrate that humility. And again, it's just more of Jesus in the day to day interactions, not just on Sabbath. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm thinking of a, of a story where I was disciplining my child, spanking him. And, and before I spanking him, he's like, wait, 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 uh, the spanking won't correct me. Jesus will. So I think we need to pray. And so he was theologically correct. And I didn't know how to direct my parenting. I'm like, that's true. And I was like, for four seconds, didn't know what to do. And we prayed. And he got out of a spanking during that <laughs> time. Like, wait, but the Bible says uh, to spare the rod. It, it, wait. Was, it was a very interesting kids. Kids, we need more Jesus in our lives to, to give us wisdom in that. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. It's okay, go ahead. If, okay, Ephesians chapter 5. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. <laughs> and you see here in, in verse 21, uh, the Bible says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Actually and then go to this. verse 22 talks about wives. Verse 25 talks about husbands. And it goes to uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Each of the members of the family and the theme that's following all throughout that last half of Ephesians is submission. Mm -hmm. And I find that, you know, submission, though it goes against my carnal nature, it solves almost literally almost any problem that we've had inside the family. Mm -hmm. Why is it that we just don't want to submit to each other, Sebastian? Well, I think... Um, <laughs> Tell us, Sebastian. That's a well-aimed question, This is not my struggle. Um, <laughs> I love the people. I can speak for those who have suffered such a terrible life with a struggle with submission. Um, no, my... my um, in my family, one of the things I love about my wife, she models this really well, even mm. with my kids, mm-hmm. um, because I grew up with a very authoritarian, heavy father. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, yeah, that was not modeled for me how you as a dad submit to your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but my wife, I remember there was a time when she was um, getting into it with my oldest. 
And um, I came home from work, and all I hear is my wife, you know, yelling to call my daughter to come back upstairs to do something she was not, she had not finished. And so I go to my room, and I'm like, you know, Nafti, where are you supposed to be? And I'm like, you don't hear mama calling you? And she's like, I'm not going up there. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and then I hear my wife call again. Did you hear me calling you? And my daughter says, Mom, I'm not coming up there until you fix your attitude. <laughs> like, you could be upset, but you still have to be kind. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, shutting the door like, I hope my child survives. a special survives. episode on how children <laughs> use theology against their parents. Yeah. Okay. And so I'm like, Lord, please save my child. <laughs> but the crazy thing is my wife comes downstairs. And I'm expecting, you know, the wrath of God, you know, secondary to the wrath of God is the wrath of my wife. And instead, she's like, you know, you're right. Mama needs to be kind. And I'm sorry. Yeah. And so, you know, they kind of reconcile and, you know, she goes and does what she needs to do. And that night when I was asking my wife about it, she's like, yeah, but the reality is if she's right, she's right. Right. And just because she's a child doesn't give me license to lord my authority as a parent over her. Yeah. If she says, hey, mom, your attitude is wrong, even though you're right in terms of what you're asking me to do, mm-hmm. but the way you're asking it is not Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter four, uh, chapter 6, verse 4, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And she's I'm using your wife, Candace, as a model. She's realizing that these are not my children. Mm-hmm. These, are, these, are, these are Lord's children, mm-hmm. and i got to use the Lord's principles. And, and that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. We, we, when I, I find it with my children, when I apologize to them, when I've done wrong, Mm-hmm. When I, and there's many times where I've done wrong mm-hmm. that they're just so resilient. They, 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 okay. they that's okay. Yeah, the, yep. you, you got angry. I understand why, because I was being, being an idiot. And, <laughs> and uh, they are, it's, it's, it's amazing how cognizant they are. And that's when I, I, I realized like these are not my children. They're my children genetically, but mm-hmm. they have been, they're awards given to me by, by the Lord. And that gives me kind of an inkling of why we... We hesitate to do that. Mm. I think about it in context of my students. When I'm unkind to my students, or I go over the top, and really? I'm you so too. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm scared to apologize because what if what if I lose their respect? Yes. What if they realize that I'm imperfect? Like, let's be real. They already know. They've done that for a long time. Yeah. So me yeah. telling. Thank you, Sebastian. <laughs> so me apologizing doesn't make me look weaker. It makes me look stronger. Mm-hmm. And. I actually remember in, you know, in high school, there was a, a teacher who would go off on us and would never apologize. And I lost respect for them because mm. they'd never own their mm-hmm, mess. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so owning it actually makes us more respectable. And I think our hesitation to submit is just our pride. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look weak. I don't want to look like I'm messed up. But the reality is you are weak and you are messed up, mm-hmm. so you should just own it. It's, it's insecurity. It's you. pride. It's your carnal <laughs> nature that's, yeah. that's creating that. In reality, you can't, you can't grow and you can't change if mm-hmm. you don't own it. Yeah. It's like Jesus can't save you from a phantom sin or a mm-hmm. phantom struggle. Oh, that's not my struggle. Well, then you he's not here for then? you. Then you don't need yeah. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, There's... so going from Jesus as the center yeah. means that you kind of need to own the fact that him yeah. being the center, he needs to change every Which This is a member. reflection of the, the Trinitarian Godhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, each, each entity, each person is submitting to the other, and there is no competition. There is no person shining. They're all, and this, 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 this community, this culture of submission provides a certain unity towards the center. That's well, there, there is no selfishness, and I think the, the yes. common denominator in these issues always deals with selfishness. selfishness. And there's a quotation that was actually... Uh, shared with us that I want to share. It's found in uh, a book called Early Writings, page 119, and it Mm -hmm. says, if pride and selfishness were laid aside, five minutes would remove most difficulties. Mm. (laughs) And I find that statement to be so true, you know, that 
at the end of the day, the challenges that we face that, first of all, break the unity in our homes with our spouses and with our children, they all boil down to selfishness. Either they are the reason why there's the, the stress or the conflict, mm-hmm. or they're the reason why that stress and conflict are not resolved. Right. You know, if, if at some point you enter into this kind of an argument or discussion, mm-hmm. the simple way to resolve it is by not being selfish, mm-hmm. you know, by saying, okay, let's find a way to resolve this, even if I'm not the one that started it, mm-hmm. I'm going to find a way to end it. But the issue is we're not that way, right? Mm-hmm. And so selfishness ultimately is the reason why either arguments begin or why arguments don't end. Mm-hmm. And I find that statement to be extremely and I, true. And I think it's, it's so emotionally charged because I feel like a lot of times what sometimes brokenness and, and experiences in the past where we have felt like people were not looking out for us, Uh kind of made us, kind of, you know, nurtured us in a way to be like, well, I got to look out for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to make sure my voice is heard and my opinion is stated, because in the past, this has not been the case. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we're we're using the baggage, you know, that we bring into the family that's kind of driving that, that selfishness as if we're almost justified. Where it's like, well, no, that's just, you know, I grew up where, you know, your voice cannot be heard, children are seen, not heard, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so we can sometimes swing to an extreme, which is really driving sometimes selfish decisions at the end because I'm trying to protect myself because I feel vulnerable. And I think what underlies that is the courage to be vulnerable, even in those moments. Like, I have to let my family hurt me sometimes. So let me let me add that uh, going going with that <laughs> yeah uh, let's so let's be real so you know the, with the family members that we like uh, yeah I made a mistake I'll submit but but what if it's that one or two <laughs> or maybe the whole side of one family that is just like and maybe they don't they're not godly or religious or spirit or or even in that mentality and, and they are from a background that is you know. Yeah. Blah, uh, are we called to treat them the same? I know the answer to that, but how do we? How do we have? It's easy to say this on air. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but how do we? How do we make that real for for people and and, and impress upon it? I mean, the answer is I know you said no. The answer, but the answer is yes. Uh, we should love people all the same. And something that helps me when I'm just especially maybe not scared, but when I'm really upset with someone and I'm just so mad at something they did or something they didn't do is. Ephesians 6.12. 6.12, okay. And that is, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but against principalities and powers. Our family members, even the intolerable ones, are not the enemy. The devil mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And even if they're operating by his principles, they're still not the enemy. Right. And, of course, there's times it's easier to remember that than others. But the end of the day is Jesus loves them with the same intensity that he loves me. Yeah. And he calls me to do the same. And he gives us, again, it's impossible, but it's possible. He gives us the power to love them and to see past that to know that they're his children well we'll end it right there it's impossible but it's possible and we want to ask you that we are not perfect by any means we have some really imperfect families but we're endeavoring by the love of christ to be having to have united families we ask that you pray for us we want to pray for you send in your comments your prayer requests on our social media platforms on facebook instagram twitter and then and, and who knows what else we have but we want to hear from you and we want to pray for you Hopefully this episode has been a special blessing to you. It's been a blessing to us. We'll see you next week here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. 
Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is Inverse.